Um, if you just like look like everyone else's copy, um, then it doesn't matter how well you understand their pain and how compelling your value prop is. As soon as I open it, they're going to go, oh, sales email, delete. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of SaaS Talk with me, Varun Uday. I have an exciting guest with me today, Matt Ed, who's made a business out of helping SaaS companies grow through mainly a cold outreach model. Hey Matt, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good. It's nice having you here today. I know you're a very busy person, so thanks so much for making it. Yeah, no, no worries. My pleasure. Happy to have a chat. Yeah. It's a bit gloomy, isn't it? It is, actually. Uh, we've had a pretty good run, though, so we were probably due a bad day. It's been good for a while. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people have been asking me if the podcast is out and where they can find it because everyone's like, hey, SaaS and cold outreach, I want to know how to do that. So everyone's pretty excited. So let's, uh, let's get uh, straight into it then. So can we please start off with an introduction to sales science and what you do? Yes, sure. It's a good place to start. So uh, we're a, um, an outbound sales agency. This is how we, we uh, what we call ourselves at this point. And basically what that means is that uh, we run outbound sales programs for our clients um, with the aim of turning, you know, targeted cold prospects into you know sales qualified opportunities um and we do that purely through outbound right so we're building targeted lists we're running outbound campaigns across multiple channels with the aim of you know illuminating some pain presenting a possible solution and then arranging a meeting uh for our client um and the way that we run that is that we do it on behalf of our clients so our reps are all um you know calling and emailing as if they are a part of you know, our customer's business. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's what we do. Great. So you, uh, we all usually see that SaaS companies have uh, these inbound sales teams, right? And mm -hmm. they kind of have their marketing teams do all the educating part and the awareness part. So how do you do it here? Do you, do you wear both hats or do you just straight up go for the kill? Yeah, so we pr primarily kind of 90% 90, 90 of what we do is is chasing, you know, cold leads um, that we've identified from the outside as potentially being a good fit. So these aren't people that have ever come inbound. Um, we do a little bit of work with, uh, with clients chasing, uh, you know, inbound leads that have maybe fallen off a nurture sequence and they might get thrown to us for a, you know, a last ditch attempt to try to book them in. Uh, but we're, we're basically solely focused on, on outbound. Um, and I guess the, the, the way that that works is, is it only works for a specific type of company. Like you need to have a fairly decent ACV for outbound to work because it is, it can be more expensive, right? Um, you know, it, it, the, the cost to acquire a customer through outbound, um, generally will be more expensive than it is to acquire a customer through inbound methods. Um, but as long as you've got, you know, a high enough average contract value, and uh, you've got a large enough total addressable market, you know, outbound can be a really, really effective channel. Right. So at Sales Science, you, you, you have a lot of posts about this as well. So you say that you bring about a scientific method to sales development, right? Can you please take me through that? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so the way that we, we think about it is um, we don't want to, when we take on a new client, come into it with any kind of preconceived notion of how we think that, you know, we're going to make this account work. Obviously we have our experience and we may have sold to similar markets before and we'll, we'll rely on that. Um, but ultimately what we want to do when we're running outbound programs is to let the data tell us what's working and what isn't and what we need to change. And the way we do that is that we, we set up experiments um, and we run those experiments over short sprints, um, two week sprints. Typically we then review the data from that experiment and then we make adjustments based on what that data tells us. Okay. And in those experiments, we're testing three hypotheses. Basically we're testing, um, the, what we call the target. So who are we approaching? And that's at both like a, um, you know, an account level. So based on kind of company firmographics in terms of where the company's located, what kind of industries are they in, how big are they, right? Those kinds of things. And then also at the, you know, persona level. So who in those organizations are we targeting? You know, is it C-suite execs? Is it a specific person in the accounts department? Is it operations management and what level, right? So we come up with who we're going after. The second piece is then of the hypothesis is the message. So what are we going to say to these people? What's the, what's the pain that we're trying to highlight, right? What's the possible solution that we're trying to illuminate and, and how do we do that in a messaging framework? Uh, and then the third piece that we're testing is process. And so that process is, you know, what channels are we going to use? So in terms of channels, we're talking about, you know, are we using email, phone, LinkedIn, video prospecting? We're doing handwritten notes. So we're sending physical packages and what combination of those things over the time span, right? So how many email touches, how many phone calls, how many voicemails and when are we doing it? So that's our cadence, right? Or our sequence that we're running. Um, so we come up with that plan. We run that experiment over two weeks. We analyze the data, right? And we know what a good performing campaign looks like in terms of metrics, right? We, and um, we'll, we'll dig into the metrics perhaps a little bit later on, but we look at metrics to see if we're hitting the benchmarks that we would expect. Um, and if we're not, then that tells us a little bit or gives us some hints as to what we might need to change in order to get that campaign performing a little bit more effectively. Um, so we do that, we run that experiment. As soon as we find something that works, right, we double down on it. We just keep running that over those two weeks, for instance, until it stops working and then we'll go and find something else. But that's, um, that's basically our approach. Uh, right. So how many touch points do you usually have for a prospect? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. So um, it does vary across campaign, but typically we'll, we'll, we look to go multi-channel. So it's at least two channels. Right. So like it's a combination of might be at least email and LinkedIn. Um, and across those two, across a two week sprint, we'd be looking for at, you know, at least kind of six touches, right. At a minimum, six touches across two weeks at a minimum, but that's kind of at the lower end. Most of our campaigns across two weeks are around, you know, kind of the 12 to 14 touches across different channels. Right. So what channels would you use uh, for these touch points and, do each of these channels, do they work together or do they work in silos? Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, we typically combine them, as I said, so we would never really just run a campaign across one channel. Um, so it's always a minimum of two. Um, but as a starting point, we typically run phone, email, LinkedIn, 
And then we include video, which you could count as another channel, but it's basically video prospecting that's distributed through email and LinkedIn. Um, so we use kind of those four as a starting point across every campaign. Um, and we, you know, we're, we're, we're going across all of them to each individual. Um, if we're finding, for example, we've got an account that just, we just absolutely kill it for them on LinkedIn. Um, and so we've basically now just gone to the point where everything we do for them is through LinkedIn. But that came from a process of like drilling down and finding what was working, right? We started out with four channels for them. We're now down to LinkedIn and video. Um, so, you know, it's just a, it's an iteration over time, but we want to start fairly broad so that, you know, we're not making assumptions as to what we think is going to work and what isn't. Yeah, great. So I've been wanting to ask you this. So I'd imagine that when you're going cold and you, when, when you're doing an outreach, cold outreach, personalizing your uh, outreach is probably very difficult, right? I mean, as important as it is, it is also very difficult because you're probably doing it at, uh, at a mass, uh, like a mass campaign. So how do you personalize your campaigns and yeah, how do you do it? Yeah, so 90% of what we do is personalized at the persona level. Um, and so we work really closely with our clients in like the setup phase to really try to dig in and understand what their, what the target personas are struggling with so that we can almost, you know, paint a really clear picture for, you know, why their job sucks at the moment and how we can make it better. Um, and, you know, typically that applies to, you know, if it's, if we're targeting, let's say operations managers at, you know, trucking companies, um, most operations managers at trucking companies are going to have the same sorts of problems, right? And the day is going to suck for the same kinds of reasons. Um, and so most of the personalization that we do is around that persona level personalization. Um, so if we're targeting multiple people within the same organization, then that message is going to be different, right? The ops manager will get something different to the finance controller. Again, something different to the CEO. Um, but again, it's going to be personalized to that, that persona level. 10% um, of what we do, and this is like, at the higher end of town, right? If we're chasing, let's say fortune 100 C-suite executives for like we are for one of our companies, then at that level, we might look to personalize down to the individual a little bit more if we're doing, you know, email or LinkedIn outreach, uh, just because those people are, um, you know, they're receiving so much, uh, they're receiving so much outreach from everyone that, you know, you, you've really got to try a little bit harder to cut through. Um, and there's also some, like some interesting stuff that we're looking at um, that we've seen being done pretty well is like, you know, personalization at scale around, um, different things. Like, um, for example, you have a lot more opportunity to do this in the U S but, um, different, for example, let's say, uh, a, you're targeting people, uh, that work at companies in the U S and you might come up with like a personalized intro to an email based around a tradition or something unique about the university that they went to and then tie that into the value prop somehow that still gives you the ability to do that at scale because you can do that for every single, let's say, you know, university of Michigan alumni and use that same piece of personalization to lead into the value prop. Um, we haven't tried anything like that yet, but we think that's probably another area that would be interesting to kind of test. Um, but yeah, to, to answer your question, you know, the majority of our personalization is at the persona level. Um, and as long as you get that right and you have a really clear and crisp understanding of what that person is struggling with and how you can make that better, then, you know, that, that generally is enough. Yeah. Got it. So 
how, how long is your average sales cycle? How long does it run for? Yeah, so we run two week sprints typically. Right. Um, so it'll be, you know, it's 10 business days um, from, the, from the first touch to the last. Um, we've condensed that down. We used to run 30 day sprints, but um, we just found that, you know, at the back half of that, that time frame that, you know, the conversion rates just dropped off significantly. So it kind of just made sense to run it for two weeks, get a fresh batch of prospects and not saturate that pool so much that you can recycle them more quickly. Right. Cause if you're going across 30 days, you know, you might send or make fun, like you might end up doing, you know, 20 touch points and at that point it kind of becomes a little bit too much for a prospect. Um, whereas if you kind of keep the, keep it shorter and more condensed, um, you know, you might not reach that saturation level with them and then you can recycle them, you know, in two or three months time. Whereas before you might've had to wait kind of you know, five or six months. Um, so that's how we're thinking about it. We've, you know, we recently made the change to two weeks and it seems to be working well. Awesome. So I'd imagine you'd be super good at copywriting, right? Because you're in cold and you have to get the customer's attention immediately. So yeah, what do you say about that? Do you have to be super good at content or copywriting and what other skills would you need to be successful at a good cold outreach? Yeah, it's a, it's, that's a, that's a good question. And so I don't think like in a traditional sense, uh, I am a good copywriter. I think the way I think about it is to think about how I can stand out. Like what hasn't this person seen before, right? Because you can, you can't assume that you're the only one trying to position the solution to them, right? Or, you know, a variety of other solutions that they're probably getting bombarded with, right? If we just assume that, you know, each person that we're trying to reach out to is receiving, let's just say, and give it a low number, you know, 10, unsolicited contact attempts per day. You want yours to not look like the others. And if you look at all of the stuff online that teaches you about how to write, you know, a cold email or how to, you know, how to, how to write a LinkedIn DM, they all follow the exact same structure. And so it's really easy for a prospect to like, look at that and go, Oh, this is just another sales email. Right. Cause it's like, you know, perhaps a slightly personalized introduction. Then it's like, you know, a value prop, then it's like, you know, um, that paragraph, then the next paragraph is like social proof, right? And then it's like a call to action at the bottom. And then it's like a PS with a link, like everyone's content looks exactly like that. And so how can you deliver something that actually stands out and looks different? And, you know, the way that you can do that is by like formatting your emails in a really weird way, right? So instead of having any spaces, right, why don't you group all the text together? Um, why don't you use like GIFs, use videos, use images, use different color text, use a weird font, right? Something that's going to like as a pattern interrupt then catches their attention and goes, Hey, this is a little bit different. Like, let me read this because I don't know what this is. Um, if you just like look like everyone else's copy, um, then it doesn't matter how well you understand their pain and how compelling your value prop is. As soon as I open it, they're going to go, Oh, sales email delete. So that's, that's kind of the way we think about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This standing out is, is going to win the game for you, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you have to get them to read something, right? Cause yeah. if they don't read it, then you, you, just, you don't have a chance anyway, no, no matter how compelling it is. Yeah. Yeah. And since you said you're doing this on an agency model, how much mm -hmm. back and forth do you have with your clients and what kind of communication do you have with them? Yeah. So mo we're in touch with most of them, um, you know, every day. Um, at a rep level. And so we, we like to see ourselves as kind of an extension of their, their sales team almost. Um, 
the campaigns that work best for us are ones that you know we're communicating with them every day we're giving them feedback on what we're hearing uh we're asking them questions um, they're asking us questions about what's being seen and that just helps us to ramp up a lot more quickly um but at a minimum you know we're reporting back and and meeting in detail on a fortnightly basis so it coincides with those sprints right really detailed end of sprint report we'll go through that in detail with the client um go over the changes that we think needs to be made uh, and then kind of you know rinse and repeat but um yeah at like an individual rep level um ideally they're communicating with with their, their the team that they're working for you know on a, on a daily basis yeah got it all right so finally to wrap this up um i love asking this question so what metrics do you track yeah it's a good question i like that um so we love metrics so we we basically track everything um but i'll give you a couple of the key ones that we look at um our key headline metric which is the first thing that we look at at the end of a sprint is how many contacts oh sorry how many companies did we approach and how many meetings did we book and we want to get that ratio there right so what's our conversion rate from company touched to meeting booked okay that's that's the number one key metric in outbound because you only have so many companies to uh to approach right and that that number could be really big it could be you know 100,000 or that number could be small and it could be you know a few hundred um and so you need to know how many it is that you need to reach out to in any given cycle in order to generate enough meetings to keep your pipeline full to hit your revenue goals and that 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 metric there is is the key one for us um then we look at some other stuff that's um some of the other unique stuff that we track is like um uh the call outcome that we do it at a, a much more granular level than most people would so we break down our calls into where the prospect exited the call if that makes sense right so our cold calls we have our cold calls broken down into four parts an intro a hook uh an expansion question and then a close right so there's four distinct pieces to a cold call and we want to know when the reps are making these calls where are we getting bounced out of the call is it on the intro is it on the hook is it on the questions or is it on the close and what that tells us is that we can start to then identify patterns and go hey look we're we're getting bounced at the hook a lot so we need to change that right this hook isn't compelling enough we need to swap that out with something else right likewise with the questions maybe it's too invasive or it's not specific enough and so they're kind of getting lost on that right so we 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 track um where where we're getting dropped out on calls um it's really important for us um then we track all of the kind of basic stuff around email open engagement rates um positive replies um click throughs and yeah and then the the last one is uh again which is a little bit unique probably to outbound is that we break down our um contact stages at a much more granular level as well and so um rather than just having you know someone in sequence you know sequence ended not interested right or meeting booked we're breaking those down into a, a really granular um stream of you know not interested reasons so if they've told us they're not interested what's the reason we want to group those together so it's like oh we've got you know 15% of people told us not interested they're using a competitor at this month okay uh or or 12% told us that not interested this isn't a priority currently 
right? And so we, we group the, the cohort across that sprint into those, um, into those outcomes. Um, and again, that helps us to kind of not only to provide feedback to our customer to say, hey, um, you know, we need to think about competitive positioning because we're getting a, a much higher proportion of people saying not interested competitor than we would expect. Um, or, you know, it might be, hey, you know, we got a bunch of people in sequence end and no response here in that outcome. And so we need to, you know, we need to develop a more compelling sequence here because we just, we just didn't get cut through with enough people, whatever that is. Um, and so the ratios across those outcomes is another thing that we look at, which is probably a little bit different to most companies. But um, yeah, I guess those are, a, those are a couple of the key things. And then, you know, every other possible metric you could think about when, you know, when going outbound, like LinkedIn connection risk, request acceptance rates, LinkedIn reply rates, um, email, uh, video message play rates, and play completions, like all of that stuff. We, we track everything. So it's a big part of what we do. Yeah. I, I love the, uh, how you decipher your call and uh, see where you drop off and stuff like that. That was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really important piece for us. Yeah. Um, so we're making a lot of cold calls, right? Like a, a rep that's selling into the US could be making, you know, 300 calls a day. Um, and so, we, you know, we want to know where, where we're falling over and that's a big part of our, um, our approach. So. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a great call, Matt. I'm sure uh, someone looking to implement uh, an, an outbound sales model is going to find this call really helpful. And also someone who's already doing it, right? Even they're going to get a lot of information out of this call for sure. So for someone looking to get in touch with you, what are your coordinates? Yeah, sure. Um, so probably the best way is just to get in touch on LinkedIn. Um, I, uh, if you can put, put the LinkedIn in the show notes, it's probably the, the easiest way, but, um, on LinkedIn or just, um, salescience.co.nz, uh, and just come through the little drift bot and we'll, uh, we'll get back to you. All right. Thank you so much for that. All right. It was great talking to you, Matt. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a good chat. Thanks. <laughs>